and what scripture says about them. Did you know that scripture has the answer for everything that we see going on in the world around us today? As people cry out for one thing or for another, scripture has the answer. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at some of the main issues in our culture and what the scripture says about them. Things like abortion and life, like racism, the rise of Marxism or mob mentality, sexuality, pornography, the environment, persecution, other things like that. We're going to look at those over the next probably about six weeks. And I say about because we'll see how many we are able to include. Each of the things that we're going to look at, the Bible has the answer for it. The Bible has the solution for it. And as we see people so divided, the Bible has the answer. So we'll discuss it. You know, the anger that abounds in the hearts of so many is evident. And maybe, maybe you've seen it with buildings being burnt down, with the way that people treat one another on social media, and the names that people are called. So many things are shouted about what's right and wrong. Even within Christian circles, Scripture's taken out of context to try and justify one behavior or one belief. And so we'll look at Scripture and see what the Bible says about these different issues. But today, without looking at any of the cultural issues, we're first going to understand what we're called to be. And we're called to be a light to the world in the way that we live our lives, in who we are. So we have to ask ourselves, what, what does that mean to be a light unto the world? How can I do that in a world where there appears to be so much darkness? Matthew chapter 5, 14 to 16 is going to be the basis of our text this morning. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn there with me? If not, it's going to be on the screen. If you're uh, new here, uh, I apologize that our, our projector is, is dim right now. We had a, some type of, of power surge and it, it blew our projector. And so our trustees are working on getting that replaced. Um, but it's not as simple as just taking this one and hanging it up there. There's more stuff too. But they are working diligently to get that, to get that done. And so temporarily we have this guy. And uh, we're thankful for it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16 says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Gracious God, would you communicate your truth this morning? Father, remove any of my words that will not communicate your truth. Father, that you alone will communicate with your people. Father, may truth be heard, may truth be spoken, and may you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in Matthew 14, it's at 514. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Now, if you go um, to another place in Scripture, Jesus says that he is the light of the world. Who knows where that is found? You know where that's found this morning? John chapter... John chapter 9. John chapter 9. But good job. You guys doing a great job. Doing a great job this morning. 
keep the, keep the communication going. I, I like that. I like that. You are the light of the world. But Jesus first says that he is the light of the world. So what does that mean? We have to understand this, that you and I, we're not shining light because of us. But instead, we're a reflection of the true light of the world, who is Jesus. Right? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. Not as I imitate that person, or, or, or this famous person, or this political figure, or, or this person over here. Be an imitator of me as I imitate Christ. We are a reflection of the light of Christ. And we need to make sure to shine our light in the darkest of places. There's a story uh, of a little boy in Glasgow. And let me read it to you. There was a gentleman one day, he's walking through the city in Glasgow, and he looks over there and he sees this boy dressed in ragged clothes, no shoes on, and he's holding this little piece of glass. Now, now the buildings in Glasgow are, are very high, and the streets are very narrow, so sunlight has, a, has trouble actually making it into a lot of the homes. But this little boy is sitting there with this little piece of glass, this little mirror, trying to reflect sunlight onto that building over there. So this gentleman, he, he's, he's pretty interested. What in the world is this boy doing? And so he walks over and he says, young man, what are you trying to do? And the boy says, well, do you see that window up there, sir? He said, my little brother, he had an accident about two years ago and he's stuck lying on his back. He's stuck in that room. He can't get out of his bed. And so what I do is I, I take this little piece of mirror here and I try and catch the sunlight to reflect it into his room because he can't see it other than that. You are the light of the world. The reflection of the light of Christ. Are you shining your light? In a world where darkness abounds... You are the light of the world. A city on a, set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand that it gives light to all in the house. You know, so my wife, Sarah, she deals with, with migraines. And, and at times, uh, when she would have her migraines, she would, she would say, Man, I need a little bit of light on, but I don't want too much light. So what we do is we'd turn on a lamp, and we'd hide it in the corner so that it didn't catch, cast much light into the room. She could see a little bit, but it didn't affect her head. It defeats the purpose of the lamp. If you want the light to shine as brightly as possible, you put it up where it can be seen, where it can shine. You don't put a lamp in a corner, and you don't cover it. It speaks of intentionality in our lives as believers. That we're the light of the world. We are to shine our light into a world that is so dark. We're called to be different. The whole idea of being countercultural, light in the darkness, is countercultural. See, when you look at Scripture and what Scripture says and tells us to do in the way we're to live our lives, it's walking against the grain of the world. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1 with me this morning. See, in a time of darkness, we've been called to be different. We've been called to be different. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. 
Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. This is a Christian. We should be the one who shines the light in everything that we say and do. Our words, our deeds, should be a reflection of who Christ is. The light that we shine is the light of Jesus. And that's countercultural. So what does a light do? A, a light stands out in the darkness. And we, when we drove to Florida here this, this past week, um, we drove down 95 and went home from church. And Sarah was, uh, had the stuff ready. We hopped in the car and we drove all the way through. We got there at 10 in the morning the next day. But as you're driving at night, you don't drive with your lights off. Amen. Somebody say amen. <laughs> you may make sure that your lights are on so you can see what's in front of you. And before we left, I was having a little bit of trouble with, with our car lights. It had some of that yellow fog over it. You know what I'm talking about? The stuff that, that gets all goopy. So I took a little piece of sandpaper and some of that stuff and I cleaned it all up and the lights were so much brighter. They shone farther out on the street. They were accomplishing their purpose in this world. You and I have been given a purpose of glorifying God in the way we live and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ in words and in deeds. You are the light of the world. But here, what, what Peter is saying, now we know that First Peter was written to Christians that were going through persecution, going through suffering, and here he says, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you with the revelation of Jesus Christ. Another way to say that is this idea of a girded mind. A girded mind. William MacDonald explains what a girded mind is by saying this. He said, in eastern lands, people wore long flowing robes. When they wanted to walk fast or with minimum hindrance, they would tie the rope up around their waist with the belt. In this way, they girded their loins. A girded mind is one that's strong, composed, cool. It's ready for action. And in a world that is challenging believers on almost every single issue that we hold dear to our faith, you need to have a girded mind, a mind that is set, a mind that is ready, a mind that is prepared to answer things that are going on in the world around us. Because see, we're not called to conform to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. The world talks so much about individuality, but, but in reality, it calls so many people to conformity against what the Bible says and against what is right. Romans 12, 2, I just mentioned this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You are the light of the world. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Jesus says this, I, you're the light of the world. But just because you're the light of the world doesn't mean that you have it doesn't mean that you should go and take your light and hide in a corner but that you should shine it as bright as you possibly can for everyone to see 
Why? So that God may be glorified. We'll get there in a minute. But I want to share a story with you this morning of a, of a good friend of ours who works in the medical field. And uh, as you know, sharing Jesus at your job, for some people, can cost them their job. Being willing to live a life of, of testimony in your faith can cost, you, can cost you your job. It didn't for her, but let me share this story because this is, this is so much embodies, I believe, what Jesus is saying here. She lives out her faith in everything that she says and, and that she does. And one day a co-worker of hers was, was sitting in the hospital and there was a patient who was given horrible news. And the patient sat there and the patient's response was, All glory be to God. And this co-worker of hers, he, he stood there, bewildered at this patient's response. Because it was countercultural. Because it went against everything that this person thought should be the response. And so he, he spent time thinking to himself, and, and he decided, you know what? I, I need to get an answer to why this guy said this. And so he went to find someone he trusted. He went to find our friend who he knew as a religious person. She was different. And so he went up to her and he said, Hey, I, I, can you explain to me why this guy would have said that in this situation? And she was able to have a conversation right then and there with him about who Jesus is and about how Jesus changes lives. In this situation, we have two people who were being a light to the world. You have the man who received the terrible news, and his, his testimony was to God be the glory. And what that did is it planted a seed in the heart of this hospital worker. But it wasn't only, it wasn't only this man sitting there. It was also our friend. And the way that she engaged in her life every single day. See, the, the call of being a light to the world isn't limited to Sunday morning. It's, it's not limited to when you're with your small group or when you have a family from church over. Man, it's easy to shine bright when there's other people shining bright around you, isn't it? But what about when it's dark? What about when the walls are up against you? What about when you know that if you say something a certain way, you're going to be called a bigot? That you know that you might risk losing your job? It's not always easy to be a light to the world in the middle of darkness. This is a little bit off track, but that's why we need each other to encourage each other, and to help each other shine brightly. See, I think a lot of people struggle with this idea of being a light to the world because it requires sacrifice. It pushes us outside of our comfort zones. Because again, we can't be a light by ourselves. It's only by the reflection of Jesus coming through us. And so that means, listen, I'm, I, that means I have to trust. What happens if people treat me this way? And in John chapter 9, we come across a story of a man who has no idea that he's letting his light shine, but shines ever so brightly. A man who was literally in darkness, who couldn't see. And because of time this morning, I'm not going to be able to read the whole passage to you, but you can go home and read John chapter 9. It's, it is a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous story in Scripture. But Jesus and his disciples come across this man who was born blind. 
Now, born blind is, is the key, right? It's not that he was blind because of some accident, but that from birth, he was not able to see this man they come across on the road. And the disciples ask Jesus, they look at him and they, they already cast judgment on him. Jesus, <laughs> you know, it, it must have been because of him or his parents that did something wrong. What did he do wrong? Why is he blind? Why was he born like this? Why is he in this situation? And Jesus' response was, no. He was born this way so that the works of God could be demonstrated in his life. He was born this way so he could be a testimony of my great power to all those around. So Jesus heals this man as the man obeys what Jesus says to do. But see, this was the Sabbath. And the Pharisees couldn't believe that Jesus would heal someone on the Sabbath. They couldn't believe that he would be able to give sight to the blind. So they called the man in to give his testimony. He called Jesus a prophet. They got rid of him. They brought his parents in. But his parents didn't really want to testify to it. Because you know what? That, 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 we, might, we might not be able to really be able to still engage with the Pharisees then. So, so now we're, we're going to leave. He's an adult. He can answer for himself. So they bring him in again, and this is where we're going to pick it up. John 9, verse 24. John 9, verse 24. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered, Whether he's a sinner, I don't know. But one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. So he didn't know all of who Jesus was, but what he did know is this. I was, I was blind. But now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them again, I have already told you, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? <laughs> and they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why is this an amazing thing? Why this is an amazing thing? You do not know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Their response to him, you were born in utter sin, and you would teach us, and they cast him out. See, God had done something very special in the life of this man. He knew what the response of the Pharisees was going to be. We can assume that. By them bringing him in a second time in the way that they're talking with him. And, and what is his response? Listen, <laughs> I might not have a lot of uh, uh, theological answers for you today. I might not be able to tell you this or that, but what I can tell you is this. I was blind, and now I see. I know some people, we, we, we struggle with giving testimony to how God's transformed your life. Sometimes the simplest way to explain it is I was blind, but now I see. See, in my life, I struggle with this, and God helped me realize this. You've heard me say before of, of the idea of actually sharing your testimony and, and how many people that grow up Christian or in a Christian home feel like they don't have much of a story. Your story matters. Your story matters. Because there are other people just like you in similar situations as you. Not the exact same story. Everybody's story is a little different. 
But there are people who need to hear your story of how you were blind and now you see. Because you are the light of the world. In the same way, in Matthew chapter 5, let your light shine before others so that they see, may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And maybe this morning you're, you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know, Tony, I, I know that I'm to shine my light. And I know that I'm to shine it bright. But I, I haven't been doing a good job of it. Or maybe I'm, I'm just not exactly sure how. I believe that those who are walking in the Spirit, who have surrendered to the Spirit, their light cannot be hidden. See, if you're truly walking with the Spirit, denying the flesh, your light cannot be hidden. And, and let me say this, because I believe that you guys will agree with me this morning. You know who around you is walking that way. It's contagious, isn't it? It's encouraging, isn't it? Galatians chapter 5, tell us what the fruit, not the fruits, the fruit of the Spirit is, right? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. We surrender to the Spirit and allow Him to work in great ways in our lives. That's how you let your light shine. By being someone who allows the Spirit to demonstrate the love of Christ through you, whose joy is found in the Lord, whose peace is found in Christ. And I could go on and on and on. But you want to let your light shine? Walk with the Lord. Walk with the Lord. I love the song that we sang before this. And I'm going to flip your music back one page, Beth, as I, I read it here. Now, Lord, I would be yours alone and live so all might see. The strength to follow your commands could never come from me. Now, as you sit there this morning and you begin to think through these things of, of, of shining your light into a world of darkness, to trusting God, to walking in the Spirit and denying the flesh, realize this, that God will work through your life. See, as we, as we look at all of these issues, all of the countercultural issues that we're going to look at over the next couple of weeks, we approach them from the perspective of this. We live in a Genesis 3 world, a broken world. You and I can testify to that, can't we? Because we're not perfect people, and we should never pretend to be. We've made our fair share of mistakes. And we realize that it's only through the power of God that we can follow his commands. You are the light of the world. Are you willing to let your light shine in the darkest of places? As we work through, and I, I close with this, as we work through over the next issues over the next couple of weeks, I will send out a schedule of what topics we'll be looking at um, so that you're able to know. I, I hope you're able to make them all, um, but, but if not, that you're able to know to be able to follow along. The week that we do... Uh, address sexuality. We are going to have a class available for second to fifth graders. If, if parents, if you would like to send your kids to that, you're more than welcome to. 
But would you pray with me as we work through this series? You know, just about every one of these issues are very controversial. And even within our own body, there might be different thoughts on these issues. Our hope is to search scripture and see what the Bible says about them and to bring glory to God through it all. Would you pray with me? Lord, may we live reflecting your light. God, may you be glorified in our lives. Lord, we know that the world around us is, is a dark place, is a, a place that is hurting, is hurting. And that, Lord, people are searching for answers. Many people searching for answers they don't even know they're searching for. And we have them. Lord, help us to walk in the Spirit. To deny the flesh. To be people who are known by their patience and their love and their joy. God, be glorified. As you alone deserve all the glory. Lord, we need you to follow your commands. Give us strength to live as lights to the world. In Jesus' name, amen.